And we're back. Unfortunately, we've already been hit by a crucial DNP into the game week. It's not even one minute in. But Tony, unfortunately, Tony can't join us today. He's got Rangers at the weekend, so he's training double hard to go and get us all some extra decisives. Uh, <laughs> so, Tony, good luck for the weekend. Sorry you can't be with us, buddy. But for today, it's just me and Stish just going to be taking the show and running on as we have been. And before coming on, we've actually get, kind of stuck right into a lot of different kind of topics and whatever with our own galleries um, because now like I, I, I was on the Soria data stream last night with the guys who watched Mbappe unique and when these big marquee auctions go off a lot of people use it as some sort of um, like acid test against you know the liquidity or the strength of the market in general uh, Stish Mbappe unique what did you make of it all? Yeah I think like I, I watched the stream you, you're talking about as well and uh, it was interesting. I was I was surprised it went so much further below the Harlem price. I think uh, Mbappe's uh, all-round play is is probably um, superior to that of Harland's. I think Harland is likely to you know bag a bunch of decisives, but the amount of dribbles that you're going to get, the amount of touches that Mbappe gets, you know, he receives the ball a lot wider than Harland does. Um, I just was really surprised from a gameplay aspect, but. Um, Definitely from a price aspect as well. I think I was expecting that to go really close, if not potentially more than the Haaland. Um, so it's hard to put that down to anything specifically. Maybe it was just down to who was bidding on the day because a lot of the names that were there in that Haaland auction didn't show up for Mbappe. Uh, lots of questions, I guess, but it, it didn't it didn't worry me too much. I know a lot of people were probably looking at and worried or concerned for the market and like what that signals but um i think the unique market is almost like its own marketplace it's hard to use that as any kind of uh you know ruler for for what is expected to come in the coming months um off the back of it but i think some good points were raised about the time of the auction as well you know it, it's coming at a time when psg have a couple of fixtures to go and then we've got the the summer break so that's probably come into play a little bit as well if anyone's looking at him from a utility aspect. But when it's unique, so I guess you're looking long term. So again, difficult to tell why that went the price it did. It's still an absolutely insane amount of money. Let's not like forget that. We can only really compare yeah. it to Haaland. But you know, beyond that, it's it's an enormous amount of money still, isn't it? It's mind boggling, man. And I think you're quite right, like in terms of like you know how much people are willing to go for it stuff so that was the kind of vibe i got i said on the streams that it just felt like it was really ran up by price protection from you know max who owns the first mbappe of course and then it was just until he gave up it was just the next bid really almost wasn't it from team bambi uh who picked yeah. it up and that's a it's a really big powerful card to, to come in but that's the kind of story you know you'll be the same as me we've all kind of listened to the same podcast over the last two years and like the perception that does kind of float around is that like uh, that whole kind of top end unique things are proper like close shop there's a lot of price protection that goes on and I think I think now the strength of because I think one thing a lot of people overlook when they think about these things is no one has infinite capital you know yeah. no one has the ability to just continually just write whatever checks they want for whatever players they want everyone is working to some sort of means or strategy and those guys like you say that tippy top end it's all um on forecasting and on yields and da 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 and all that kind of stuff when you're spending that level of money you know yet there's got to be a lot of consideration that goes into it yeah and equally when you know it's, yeah so then it becomes one of those ones where it's left into the hands of like four or five people to dictate the price it's not exactly, indicative yeah. of 
you know, the wider platform, 100,000 people, a million people, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, because even like relative to the price of maybe an Mbappe rare, which still goes for a lot of money, but it's hard to like, or you, you can kind of calculate what the price of a super should be based on like all of their unique, uh, sorry, all of their uh, super and uh, rares and stuff like that, or their limiteds. You can look at the super and be like, right, well, if the limit is and the rares cost this, then super should be that. But it's really hard to use that same kind of analogy to dictate a price or estimate a price of a unique because when that auction comes you, there's so many more things that come into play like because i think a lot of the money comes in from crypto whales as well you know like the state of the crypto market comes into play all these things that don't really come into play when we're looking at the rares and limiteds those are more like what form the players in what team they're in what fixtures they got for the next few weeks do they have midweek utility how many games they got left, that, those things. When it's a unique, it's more about the timing of that auction and I think how much money the people that might bid for that have got like liquid and ready to bid with. So um, it is a really unusual and is a bit of a wild west of a market space, the unique. But I do think that it it is almost impossible to use that as like a litmus test for the rest of the market, like you said. So uh, yeah, I mean... It gives me hope, um, you know, if 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 the unique market is dead, as some people maybe think it is, I'm ready to sweep the floor on some some speculative buyers in the under 23 department. If I can get another one or two, then uh, may, maybe I will enter that unique market. But um, as I was saying before the podcast, it's like, that's a big boy's playground. And uh, the unique <laughs> that I did buy was just more to like bolster my D2 efforts. Um, so if I do buy any more uniques, I, I can't ever imagine really entering them into a D1 at the cost of like a really strong D2 that then, you know, trickles down to having still having some good supers that I can enter into D3 that bolsters that. Um, I mean, I don't think I ever thought I'd even buy one unique, but here we are. I think that's just like, you know, a lot of people talk about progression in the game and the ability to progress. But I think if, you have the ability to win rewards you've always got the ability to progress it's just like at the pace and the time and depends on like you know how much you want to reinvest back into the game versus like taking out some profits which a lot of the i think a lot of the voices in the community that are are very much like maybe negative towards the progression that's available to players in the game i think looking at the way that some of those have played especially players that have been on the platform as long as maybe yourself and me, um, they, they've they've taken quite a bit of money back out of the platform. I, I don't know about you, but I've not actually taken a great deal back out of it. I've reinvested a lot of my rewards back into strengthening my team. I think unless I'm looking to take a big lump out to like move house or do something like that, and as long as the game feels like winnable for me, it doesn't have to be every week, but... If I feel like there's a good chance of getting a card each week and I've got that hope going into a game week, then I'm still enjoying it. And as long as it still appears to be profitable, I think it will continue to engage users. But like, you know, a lot of the chat goes, how we engage those new users and keep them engaged. Um, but I think, you know, things sure. like the underdog are a good example of that kind of thought process going into in into the mixer and getting people involved in that. And, you know, even people like me that it's probably not aimed at 
that excites me from a gameplay perspective. It's like that's a really pure format of of SO five. It's like who is going to be the nerdiest person on the stats? Yep. Who's going to be looking at the fixtures? Who's looking for the bargains in the marketplace? And I love that. Like that, I buzz about that every week at the moment. I think underdog is something that takes a good hour or two of my week just trying to find the gems. Who can I get for less than a tenner that's gonna that's gonna like qualify for this team? Or you know what 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 can I buy for less than a tenner that's gonna turn this like makeshift team into a potential candidate for rewards? And I think the more people do that, you know, it's just like the time you put into anything, isn't it? You get out what you put in. Of course. I think um, I, I love the extra utility these divisions have given in terms of uh, you know that progression element because I, like you, um, would definitely categorise myself as somebody with too many super rares. I've got like 45 or something like that, I think, at this point. And there's a lot, there are a lot of different shapes and sizes. You know, when you get to that many cards of any scarcity, you know, they're not all just going to be SO5 players. Some will be specs, some will be injured, some will be whatever. Um, but seeing this going across all the scarcities, like underdog specialist and uh, even the legends one like it, it really does kick the door open because when you look at the underdog rare for example now if if you're consistent and this is the thing i really like about the underdog one right it goes in line with exactly what you were just saying stish but see if you're doing that right you'll end up you know what it's like now because i think we've had underdog now for enough occasions to get that kind of flavor of it but there's you will get a guy that you'll be able to play an underdog for maybe three weeks on the bounce because mm. yeah, <laughs> because they aren't that good, you know, and you think, oh, he's a great guy, and maybe he just does a L forty score, you know, and doesn't hit the sixty that you thought he might. So once you've, you know, if you're building your gallery at first, or even if this, these are like new pieces that are coming in, what you then end up having quite easily is some really good underdog options for the specialist competition, because obviously you need two underdog cards to come in. Most people would prefer it to be the goalkeeper, but that's easier said than done in a lot of occasions, you know. So yeah. outfielders are probably what it's going to be most of the time. So I think in the specialist one in particular, because like the specialist, like if you're doing both, obviously fantastic, but that's where the progression kicks in because there's some supers on that podium. Yeah, you know, definitely. If you're getting better underdog cards, that can be the difference. Yeah, I, I look at my limiteds. I think limited underdog are the two, lim, underdog and specialist. Uh, I've got a fair few limiteds and I do have a lot of limiteds that hit that, you know, like under 40 average so it allows me to, and if I've got a couple, that allows me to enter the specialist and I'll give that a good go as well. But um, yeah, I mean, like last week we talked on the pod about some players for the underdog and I mentioned that I picked up a Keaton Parks who went on to like hit a 90 plus in, in the game week. And yep. I've got no intention of selling him. I'm, he, he gives me utility through the summer for America, for under 23, for all-star in those limited divisions. So I've picked up a gem who did the business for me but he's also going to give me some utility. And that for me is like what it's all about. You know, I've, I managed to pick up a reward in the underdog, um, managed to help some friends pick up rewards as well. Uh, shout out to Emma. <laughs> she had a beautiful, she had a great win. She had a tier one, like the right at the top of the tier one, she managed to win a tier one goalkeeper. So uh, shout out five, nice. three. Uh, she, she, she got her, her first two uh, rewards this week. And, um, they come from the underdog and limited divisions and that's it. Like that's what it's all about. Use use the uh the tools that you have at your disposal to pick out those gems and that that that's a, the nicest thing is like when you get it right, that feeling of like I knew Keaton Parks was gonna 
was going to be was yeah. going to be the boy this weekend. And they, he goes and picks up. I think it was ninety six. He scored. It was massive. It was a a massive score. And yeah, when I don't know, there's just like a you get a buzz off of it's a bit like hitting an accumulator or something like oh, I knew that was going to be the score or I called yeah. that and yeah I mean some of my calls just on on last week's podcast weren't as good like picking Marathona out as the goalkeeper <laughs> he, he was a DMP uh so yeah the team I, was, that, I was looking at Marathona superior for this weekend I was like oh how, well, that's quite cheap for me now yeah yeah I think I think he might have uh he might have lost his place in the team at two two games missing in a row um but yeah, I had a little, I had another little look this week. We'll get into that a bit later, but um, there's some good options out there again, but Marathon is not one of them. So if anyone listening went and out and bought him, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, see a story about a pal Emma, do you know what it just reminded me of? The announcement we got earlier this week of the goalkeeper special weekly. And it's oh, like, yeah. yeah, the rules were mega interesting to me. It's like, you have to play a common and the common's basically a DNP, you know, it's mm. minus a hundred percent. So it's basically four aside, which is fabulous interesting I think it's um it's a total um you know they did come out and say it's a test we just want to play about with it if you're partaking the test you do well we'll give you a goalkeeper you know mm. <laughs> i think it's great what they've said yeah i think like it's, it's brilliant yeah. and i think it'd be exciting to you know like see how people do i wonder if anyone is going to attack that with and and use a common as an outfield player like it'd be really interesting to see if anyone who finishes in i think is it top 100 get a goalkeeper right i think so let's see if anyone in the top 100 doesn't use a common goalkeeper and write that score off. Because if you've got the balls or the cojones or whatever you want to call them to, to use uh, a goalkeeper as one of your four players, then good luck to you. But I imagine a lot yeah. of people will be using a common goalie and four outfield players. But um, I'm looking forward to entering that. I think uh, that'd be really interesting. And I think these, you know, from gameplay perspective all these little tweaks and ideas that keeps it fresh keeps it fun gets you thinking it's nice that again we get that that pre-warning of it a few weeks ahead you can start thinking about you know what what cards you're going to use you can start using your lineup builders uh seeing what cards you might have available so yeah i think i think i'll probably target that next weekend it's next weekend isn't it yeah I think it's limited. And then uh, another thing that kind of caught my attention as well around all this is like um, they're testing out having rares and limiteds together in Legend. Like you can play rare li- Legends or limited Legends, oh, yeah. um, which I found, which I found that again, I think it's some sort of test. So I think um, in terms of like utility and progression, all that kind of stuff, it kind of got us onto this. Like it does feel that they are like making progress in terms of trying to discover what works, what we like yeah. what was crap what doesn't work you know etc so it should be really interesting and I, I, a game i used to play a lot I just don't get any time for the playstation anymore but i used to reference it a lot in content it's a game called uh, rainbow six siege it's a shooter game right but just to give anyone who's never heard of it before heard me talk about it before it's basically a game it's like six years old but when they brought the game out they said we are going to run this game for 10 years going to keep <laughs> updating it new maps and new stuff and whatever and true to the word they're in like year six or seven Anyway, the way they, and I always think about that game because it's done a great job, in my opinion, of like staying alive and the user base always grows. And I think it's kind of waning in the now, but it's like been really good, blah, 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 whatever. But a big thing that what that does, that game does is every three months, 
it has a different campaign, so it'll have a different cool name, and there might be a new special map, and there'll be a kind of theme. And it feels like now that we're getting these kind of monthly updates, you know, like this is going to be the special weeklies for the next month ahead. We're going to test the goalkeeper thing. Yeah. Your underdog super rare will be this day. Your specialist super rare will be that day. Allow you to prepare ahead. It feels like with another couple of steps further down this path, you know, that it might be, you know, we might get into that stage where it is like, you know, when that monthly calendar comes out, it's our real, I cannot wait to open it up and find out what's going on this month. Yeah. Because this special weekly goalkeeper thing is obviously a test, but they can test everything out like that, you know, forever, you know, (laughs) and it might always be something about wacky and interesting. Sometimes it might be cool. Sometimes it might be crap, but I'm looking forward to, to more stuff like that kind of happening. Definitely. I think, uh, the La Liga special, I think we had the, an amazing yeah. football match last night between Real Madrid and Man City and Rodrigo right. came on and changed the game. And yeah, it just, I posted up on uh, Twitter the picture of the card that I won in that uh, La Liga special, the Game Week 200, where the top 200 managers got a limited edition uh, version of a player from La Liga. And I can't remember where I finished, but I finished pretty high, high enough to get Rodrigo which I was pretty chuffed about. And so I've got that little special edition. And I think like things like that, that is a great, for especially in the limited divisions, it'd be so nice to see some more like special weeklies where there are a, a, like one-off edition for like maybe the top 200 players get a, you know, a Bundesliga limited like game week, what might be game week 300 edition or something like that. And sure. yeah, I'd love to see more like that. Uh, even even someone who's I wouldn't classify myself as like a collector on the platform. It's just nice to see a little bit something that just pops in your uh, collection a little bit. It's nice. But it, it comes back to like stickers and cards and all that. You know, mm. like even with these things, like they are just all bits of cardboard. But the ones that are shiny and the ones that yeah. have got to be signature on it, or the ones that have got the cool picture that you like. Oh, I remember that goal from two years yeah. ago or whatever. They're the ones that hit different. You know, and it's the. As you say, it, you don't need to be a collector necessarily to appreciate shiny things. I think we're all like, <laughs> <laughs> we're all especially when you're spending the money on them. Exactly, yeah, especially exactly that. This kind of money, you want bang for buck, don't you? In that sense, something that's like, oh yeah, that's the Rodrigo. That's the Rodrigo from the twenty one twenty two season. Remember, he changed the semi final against Man City. Yeah. Well, that's it now. And that's, he's just added some value to that to that and card. that shirt in that season you know like I, I'm all about that life I love that now, stuff we just need to see him do it against uh, Liverpool in the final and I can I can put that card away well digitally. I'm thoroughly <laughs> disappointed because I'm a I'm a Man City fan as you're, you're maybe aware um, <laughs> but yeah. like I'm I'm really gutted, man. I really wanted a City Liverpool final. I think it was it was on the cards like two seasons ago. I think when I when City got knocked out off of Spurs, um. And I think the Pep and Guardiola era deserves a Champions League final where they play each other. Like uh, so, for a lot of a lot of different levels, I'm so gutted that it's not a City Liverpool final. But Real Madrid are just the the Renaissance team of the Champions League, man. Like, will not be <sighs> stopped. It was yeah, insane. Uh, and like, I kind of see your point as well. Like, I think you know, from a neutral position, like, everyone wants to potentially see that Klopp and Guardiola go head to head in the Champions League final, but. I think that, like, if we look at the semi-final of the FA Cup, yeah, I mean, it's a different game to, like, the FA Cup semi, right? But the FA Cup semi was so one-sided, it was like, do I want to watch that again? Not sure. Yeah. But I think, like, as a a bitter Man United fan, and (laughs) I I quite enjoyed the game. (laughs) But, um, I mean, there was a point where 
where uh, Villarreal looked like they might uh, knock Liverpool out just a few days prior as well. But, um, you know, Liverpool did what Liverpool have been doing all season and just went, yeah, no, nah, we're going we're gonna to win this one. Sorry, guys. Uh, and, uh, yeah, now they got the job done. I think uh, Liverpool, I think Liverpool will edge uh, Madrid in the final. But what Madrid have done up to this point in that competition cannot be understated. And yeah, it's a final you know, it's it's in Paris. I think it's it's that's anyone's that's game on the day. Point. I think that's it's a weird you know thing. I mean? Exactly that. Another thing that's always weird to me is Summit just doesn't feel like Champions League final about a game with two teams from the same country. Like, I just feel like uh, Madrid versus Liverpool think- final feels a bit more like a European final than Madrid versus yeah. uh, Liverpool I- City. But... You know, I get, I get it. I'm definitely scarred from my childhood from the AC Milan Juventus final at Old Trafford. I think we've all seen that as a kid. Oh. And it was like it was brutal. So high expectations. It was like nil nil all the way to pens. Uh, yeah, um, that was. Yeah. I kind of agree with that. Yeah, I think um, you know, even like United Chelsea in oh, what was that like oh eight? Um, yeah, wasn't Moscow. wasn't the best. Um, like C- City versus Chelsea. Um, was one of the worst finals I think I've ever watched. Uh, it's, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think this will be a big game. I think both sides have had enormous seasons. Liverpool, obviously are still chasing city in the league. So might have to concede that, um, in the next few games, you know, that's, you know, those games are huge, you know, that classic cliche of every game being a cup final now, but it really is. It's uh, going to be a great run into the end of the season. Is. Especially for City, they cannot finish this season where it went in the league now. You know, it's no. pressures on big time. Massive. But like the, the thing it really showed to me, and again, I was talking about Celtic earlier in the week, and I have the same kind of problem. Maybe with Posta Coglu, we'll see what happens over the next kind of months. But like, you do need, you know, the thing that Pep always falls down on is there's no definitive plan B. As soon as De Bruyne comes off, as soon as the key, whoever the key player in the match is, the thing about City is there always there's always somebody really grabbing the scruff by the neck. You know, uh, grabbing the game by the scruff of the neck. And whenever that player gets subbed off, it's mainly De Bruyne, especially in Europe, then it's just it's just a bunch of six, seven out of ten guys all of a sudden that can't yeah. really like really go and I know Grealish was really close and you know, maybe a few other chances were whiskers away from, you know, something different and whatever, but it still didn't happen. You know, we could all say if buts and maybe's a bit any game of football, you know. Mm. It didn't happen. You know, the quality wasn't there. So I feel like psychologically, in terms of like definitely like, you know, Outsider, let's say, because I'm definitely not a neutral, but outsider looking in, like it definitely feels that Liverpool, like, have moved ahead of City in terms of the stakes of the game. If you know what I mean, in terms of that yeah. worldwide perception, because they did make subs and they just went from two 0 down and just went, no, no, we're taking this. Like, they made subs and things happened, and it's the whole team moving in that direction. It's not necessarily even changing the game plan, but it's, you know, we know what we're doing. If this doesn't work, then we put him on and we do this, and then that'll work. Whereas with Pep, it's like, right, okay, Brian, you come off, right, okay, Grealish, you go on. Right, okay, try and score. Yeah, keep trying. I mean, keep, the impact just of keep trying. <laughs> Louis, talking about like Luis Diaz there as well, like how good he was when he came on. The difference was, yeah. I mean, he's such a good player. I couldn't believe uh, that there wasn't like more of a clamber around him getting him signed. It seemed like Liverpool got that done so quick. It was like out of yeah. nowhere, like I'm, oh, interested, signed. Oh, what? Wow. Okay. I'd see how that, that happened at all. Yeah, it I, came out I, of I nowhere. Just, didn't I, it? I don't know. 
Yeah, like and he's doing good at Porto, and I think everyone is so rare knows he was scoring well and all the rest yeah. of it. But you don't expect Liverpool to go and buy the guy who's amazing in SO5 and just stick him in the team right away. And you it know, carries it doesn't on happen as well. like that. <laughs> it yeah. carries on. That's not meant to happen. I'd, he didn't even settle in. He just got straight on the pitch and got like let his boots do the talking. He just plays without fear, and you know he's. I think like that is that's what United fans hoped like the Sancho signing would have been like. But it's it's very rarely that that easy when like a big name comes in. But I think that maybe Diaz flew under the radar of a lot of like uh, armchair football supporters who maybe don't follow what's going on. Like obviously you said like a lot of people that play so rare knew about Diaz, but. Um, you just don't expect them to come and just hit <laughs> the ground running like that. Like he, uh, for a January signing, he's got to be up there. He's got to be right up there with oh, one yeah. of the best that we've seen. And uh, I'm just gutted. And it's a still talk of Liverpool being uh, linked to like forwards in the summer. And I just think, how are how are you going to keep all these forwards happy? Like they've got so many forwards there now. And I if think they sign an Origi replacement, Origi will be leaving. I think Kingy's going to yeah. AC, so they want a you know a, a super sub replacement. I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm an Origi holder and a Jota holder, but as much nice. as I really love watching Diaz, I hate him at Liverpool because he really messes with my Jota um, picks. Uh, you can kind of like at the moment where there's almost like you can see the rotations. Jota did start in the week, which was unexpected, but I did have him in my lineups because I didn't have much other choice and forward positions. <laughs> but I did not expect him to play. And then he did, but he had to come off. And, you know, it was the right decision to take him off, I think. I don't think he was in the game that much in the first half. In, in general, Liverpool weren't in the game, to be fair, very much in that first half. But um, Diaz made the difference. And for all the player that Jota is before when uh, Diaz came in, people were talking that, you know, like Mane might be the player on his way out, but Mane's forms kicked on as well. It's like, who are you dropping in that team? This there's going to be rotation all season, next season for Liverpool. I think it's going to be really hard to pick their starting 11. So for people like me who hold like a Jota or maybe hold a Diaz or I, I hold a Rigi and I'm, I'm quite happy that he's moving. I, I thought he would have moved last season. So I've sat on his card waiting for that move. So I'm happy. And I do think that he probably will start at Milan. What, what do you think? I think he'll be amazing at Milan, mate. I think uh, all Milan are missing, really, to kick on. So also, you know, they should, or it looks like they're in pole position to get the Scudetto at this stage. Mm. Um, all they need is a right mid, really. Maybe a, a right back as well. But the right back, the, the right backs have got Calabria. I'm told on good authority from AC, actual AC Milan fans. Like Calabria is like, you know, one of their own kind of guy at mm. right back, you know, where it's like he's, you know, he's an academy guy. He might not be the best right back in the world, but he's he's their guy kind of thing. So he might not be replaced as such, but a right mid, Leal on the left, um, Renato Sanchez allegedly is coming in as well for midfield to go with Tonali and Benacer. So like Arigi at the top of that, and you hear the way Klopp talks about Arigi. Klopp is mm. like, unexpectedly, unexp- he is world class. That's what he says about him. So if he starts every game, and Serie A, with that kind of team, I think he'll be amazing next year. Well, you it. look at the difference of like Lukaku in Serie A and Lukaku in the Prem. Like, I mean, he started pretty yeah. well, but he's not been able to keep that that momentum. And that I sold my Lukaku recently for that exact reason to try and like swap him out for a, maybe like a uh, looking at like Fakir still. I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago. I'm still tempted by Fakir or maybe like adding some budget and looking at Adiemi, who is probably off to Oof. Dortmund. I think this is the funnest 
part of like buying and selling on so rare is like trying to figure out who's moving where who slots in where who replaces who who gets brought in like this is where like the profit can be made on the trade as a trader if you get an early bit of news or if you think you've spotted something that other people haven't spotted yet and react early to it this is where like the good profits can be locked in from a trading perspective and just trying to make a, some of those good calls now but it's been interesting just reading all of the kind of transfer speculation do you have any uh like tactics or strategies that you use to try and like spot early early news on on the transfer market i like not necessarily but like there's ones that there are some pages that you obviously hold in higher regard than others in terms of sources and whatever mm. um not particularly. I kind of let my gut tell me if I think a transfer makes sense or if it would work or if I think it's real and even if I weren't involved in it. like All the Celtic ones that I got big on this year were all quite obvious and I, I kind of went on the, the first kind of breaking link, you know, and just yeah. went, I'm not, I'm just, I'll take the chance, I don't care. Um, it backfired on me with Cole Itakura, if anyone's familiar with him. He was in Eredivisie, now he's at Schalke. Um, mm. That backfired on me. Um but that's generally, yeah. And again, Diego Costa, I picked up his rare and his super rare like a year ago, combined fee, £100. Um, and it was when his contract got annulled by Atletico. I don't know if you remember that, but it was in like December and it was like, oh, he's going to go back to Brazil and like he's time away from the game and all the rest of it. And I was just like, screw it, just picked him up. And it's like, you're just kind of buying your time for then. So again, mm. like my point of view at that point was like, Diego Costa, I don't see him retiring. He turns up somewhere. If he turns up somewhere, then £100 for a rare and a super works. So it's kind of like, I don't really actively trade on it, if that makes sense. But it's just if I see things in front of me and I think I could make it work, then I'll go for it. Because it, you can't be playing with fire. And I think if you're, mm. you know, I definitely think allocating a portion of your trading strategy or your gallery in general to transfer spec is a great move. But it's keeping a lid on it, you know, or it's keeping a, you know, a, a yeah. tolerance on it. You're not getting overexposed because they, if they go sour, then you can be left with a lot of deadwood. Definitely. I've got a few red crosses in my, uh, I think that's one of the things as well is I've got players in my gallery that have that red cross that once they got, once they got that red cross and I'm like, oh, bad call. I've got a player with a red cross now. <laughs> is it like some people will just try and cut their losses there and like reinvest the whatever they can get back for that player. But I'm, I'm one of those people that's like, no, I'll sit it out. Let's see if they come get a move next year or get get promoted. Or So one of those for me was like Elias Cabot, who is like, I bought him as he was injured at um, Anderlecht at the time. I picked up one of his cards and the scores he had put up before that injury were absolutely enormous. So I thought, oh, when he comes back from injury, slotting straight back in, you know, he'd been in and out of the Belgium squad a couple of times. Like Martinez likes the look of him. He's got to be a shoe in as soon as he comes back. So he came back and he displaced like Matt Miesga, who was on loan there at the time and started playing. He picked up a couple of big scores and I was like, sweet, great. We made the call. Uh, and then he picked up a couple of like minor injuries that put him back out of the side for a couple of games. And I think he had a fallout with uh, Vincent company who then sent him on loan to po Palmer who play in Serie B. And I'm like, ah, oh. there he goes. There goes all my hopes. And I think like this happened at a time where like I felt like I made a good call and then I picked up a super. So I've got a super of him and he's just sat, sat on the bench in Palmer. But you know, I, all those players at the red cross, I do search them often on Twitter to see if there's any like transfer speculation because there's no chance 
Palmer are nowhere near uh, promotion this season. So he's not seeing Serie A with Palmer anytime soon. But they haven't yet. Um, they do have the option to buy, but I think it's set at three million. Um, so I don't know whether or not that's going to be too high or not for Palmer. But there's there's some rumours in the press that Napoli are looking at him. And I'm like, ooh, I'd take a Napoli move because they've got, um, you know, they've got a fairly old sort of like couple of centre-backs there. He might get some game time. But again, I think it might be a rotation risk unless they sell like Kulabai or someone like that. Then I'm not sure he gets straight into that side. But it doesn't look like he's going back to Anderlecht from the way that he discusses going back in the press. It's, I think sure. it's done. Like, like he's, he says, like, I don't want to go back there and I'd rather look for another move. So, yeah, I think that's Maybe another thing. <laughs> Mate, I'd take that. <laughs> <laughs> take that that'd be great That'd any be challenger day. move would be perfect I'd take another little challenger move because I think another few of my supers are already like out on loan at challengers so like Jan Venek who is uh, on loan at um, Bournemouth who've just been promoted if he stays there he's a champ Euro if he goes back to Brighton he's champ Euro so I almost want him to get another loan <laughs> um, so I'd be interesting to see what happens to him same thing with Nat Phillips I've got Nat Phillips super rare He's technically still a Liverpool player. Like he's on loan at Bournemouth. I said Jan Vanek was at Bournemouth, then wasn't he? It's Blackburn. Um, but uh, yeah, like Nat Phillips is at Bournemouth, who've just been promoted. So does he stay there and become a Champ Euro centre back, uh, or do Liverpool send him somewhere else? Be interesting to see what happens. I think Liverpool but, want players to be playing in the Premier League if they can get them into those teams. So. Yeah, I guess I th- I feel like they might. S- he's got a contract till like twenty twenty five, so they maybe loan him out again, or they just sell him if Bournemouth, because they were looking for ten million for him last season, and I think a lot of clubs thought that was too much. But sure. you know, maybe Bournemouth have the funds to do that now if they think he's uh, going to be useful enough. He's got experience, so he wouldn't be a bad sign in for them, I guess. But, um, I've got some mark in a quandary with uh, Taylor Harwood Bellis currently on loan at Stoke. Formerly on yep. loan at Anderlecht, owned by Man City, so hoping he continues to get loaned out as well. But again, like I don't mind having guys like that in my gallery. Like I, you were talking about Red Crosses, the main one I've got is a guy called. Um, if you look at any football website, he's called Pity Martinez, but on Soraya is called Gonzalo, and mm. uh, he's only got like I just had to look there, maybe like fifteen rares or something. Yeah, fifteen rares and seven supers, and he was like the guy at Atlanta United when MLS first came on, but then after like. You know, he had 15 rares issued, played like two games for me, and then he moved to Saudi Arabia. And then after being in Saudi Arabia for like two months, he'd done his ACL. Oh. <laughs> so there's no chance of like a quick transfer or, yeah. you know, or even wait a year and transfer out. He's also got a rehab for a year and all the rest of it. And then right after Horrible. he'd done his ACL, or not long after he'd done his ACL, uh, they said, oh, we're scoring Asian Champions League. So I missed the first whole kind of series <laughs> of that. <laughs> If you know what I mean, I so got this guy's like it, Atlanta United signed him from River Plate, I think, and he was like South American Player of the Year. Like they won the Libertadores, and he was the big fish, you know, kind of thing. So, I'd, when he moved, I think a few people started cutting their nose off just on the deals, just when it was like, oh, he's going to Qatar and that. But I'm like, the guy's at the time on this card, he's 26, he's 28 now. It's like this guy's not disappearing, you know, South yeah. American Player of the Year a year ago, big DP signing in America. Mm. go there for two years get your money and then go back to football you know like that's what I think so I think with good profiles of guys it can be easier to just write them off and forget them eh definitely mate 
uh it's i've got some bad ones as well though like i remember like thinking i'd like found a gem in the gamba um un- like a s- academy young player called shoji toyama who had been banging goals in for fun in in the in the under 23 side um nice. and he they minted his card and i thought oh, he'll be straight in there next season he's like 19 years old he banked put about 30 goals in in a season i thought he's got to be straight in the first team and then uh, they sent him on loan now to like Hollyhock and he does not get a look in there. He, he he plays the old game. He barely scores. It's like, if you're not scoring in like the third tier of the Japanese football or the second tier, then you're not, you're not going to be getting into the Gamba side anytime soon. So I feel like I'm going to be stuck with him for a long time, but I don't think I paid too much. I probably paid too much at the time in like relative. Yeah to what I was buying other cards for, but it's those ones annoy me. It's like they're in the gallery. They're probably there forever, but I've got, I've picked up a few horrible injuries on some of my supers. So like Pavel Boshnoviks, who plays at Hiramveen, he's been out all season. Um, I guess there's no point even bringing him back for the last couple of games now, but you know, he's, he's training again now, but you may as well just like let him rest over this, over the summer break now. But I'm hoping that he comes back in next season to be sat on his card for a whole season when he was a really good scorer as well. So for anyone listening, maybe go and have a little look at Pavel Boschnovic's here in Veen. Hopefully see him back in the starting lineup at the beginning of next season. Most gutting one for me was uh, Lotaro Gennetti at um, Sarsfield. Bought him for the summer break this year. He's like a massive all-round scorer as a defender. And uh, he picked up at ACL. He's out for the season. Oh. So, there, man. oh, so annoying. It happens. Injuries, man. Yeah. And that's why you need depth. You know, and depth is one of these things that it's, it's an expensive thing to get. You know, it's not just like getting a couple of cards or whatever, but it's having like real viable options. Like I've had a real problem this game week, like on that kind of note, like putting my mm. teams together because what I've basically done, right. And again, I'm talking about super rare division, but anyone listening to this, you can definitely apply, you know, what I'm talking about here to limiteds or rares or whatever. Right. But I started buying, as many people will know, like a bunch of super rares for like Champion Euro. I've got like a unique Dennis Suarez. So I've been running a kind of copy and paste super rare team of uh, Soraya and Goals. The, the defender does chop and change, but it's been Boyata the last couple of weeks. Reyes Mendez, Dennis Suarez, and then Enesunal up front. Anyway, all their fixtures look amazing this week. They're all at home. They've all got like, you know, favorable fixtures. They should do well, all the rest of it. But I'm looking at that team and thinking that would actually be much better potentially this game week to go into All-Star and mm. play it or take pieces from it, upgrade the defender for like a Brooks Lennon or for something else, Greg Taylor or whatever. Um, and then or maybe I swap a midfielder or something. But the problem I've then got is also I've got another unique and it's like I want to play. So I've been building, I've kind of built two divisions. Basically my problem is I've built two divisions around two uniques and playing among a lot of averages. If I'll just play these often enough, the occasions they win, I don't need to worry about the interim and try to pick and dive like I do with my other teams. Yeah. But the problem I've got is this week, it makes way more sense to do what I normally do and pick the fixtures out and put them together rather than having like, that's the that's the Champ Euro guys and that's the All-Star guys. In that kind of situation, what would you do, Stish? Do you know what? I found that this is almost like a new problem since they've introduced the underdog and the specialist. Sometimes I'll go there and I'll start thinking, right, let's put these teams together 
And then in doing that, it, it creates a little bit of an imbalance on maybe like some of the divisions where I'm a bit thinner. Like in Asia, I've only got like maybe two forwards that start. So I have to use one of them. So it's good to see Sassinio back in action this week because he's one of those and he's hey. definitely my go-to guy. Uh, the other one is um, Youngwook uh, Cho, who plays at um, Saul. And he didn't start this week, but he is usually the starting forward. Um, but I think that's partly down to, you know, like the under 22 rule they have. He's hit 23 now, so he's not one of those guys that they, they kind of have to rotate him in or out somehow. But um, in doing that, it it's just like, as soon as I lose one of those guys, it's like, right, well, now my Asia division is really weakened, but I have some really strong supers. So I normally enter a D2, but if one of those players gets injured, I just end up with a bunch of really good supers that I have to use in All-Star, which then means that I have a bunch of supers I'd usually use in All-Star that I need to use in Champ, but they're not strong enough for Champ, so they're just like, they're wasted. Or if I'm lucky, I can put them in like a Champ uh, champ underdog or something like that, right? Or a super underdog, a super specialist rather, whatever they're called. But um, it's difficult. I think my team's... I, I've just been looking and I'm just sort of like putting some of my my training teams together and I'm surprised at some of the players that I haven't lined up in teams. I'm like, how have I got starting goalkeepers in going into training? And it's because I don't have like a good starting American defender. And it's like, do I just buy one now or do I wait another week? But that I have a team there that I can enter, but whether or not it will compete is the big thing. And I think since that they've... Since they've introduced that that metric on SoRed data where you can kind of see what that team would have scored in previous game weeks on the lineup builder, sometimes it's yeah. like there's not even a point in entering that team in. It's like a glorified training team. And I used to be one of those people to just enter the team as if it's a training team. But I, another problem that it's created is looking at my SoRed data app on the game weeks in the weekend. And it's like, oh, DMP. That, that lineup's dead. And it's like, well, you knew it was dead before you entered it. It was going to be that way all the way. So it's just like this mental block of like, no, I don't want a team that's going to be pants, like coming up in my so red data and get me excited because one of the players comes on and scores knowing full well that the goalkeeper's a DMP or, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's just pain. No, I'm, so I'm, just, I'm looking at like my res. I'm, I've got a one, two, three, four, like five, six, six or seven teams in the kind of rare divisions that are like lined up at the moment. But even like some of my, like my all-star pro team has no supers in it. And I, and that annoys me. I'm like, there's no reason that that shouldn't, but it's because of rotation and injuries that I'm dealing with. I don't see the point in entering a champ Euro team this week. Cause my goalkeepers are playing against Barcelona. And um, the other one is like trap who plays for Frankfurt this week. Um, they've obviously got a big fixture tonight against West Ham and he has been rotated after Europe. So it's like, eh, do I go big in champ Euro? It's very difficult. I actually had a really decent result in champ Euro uh, last weekend. I finished nice. in the cards and, but that was a big score and I still finished like in the tier twos, I think by the end of it, it was like 395 and that got me a tier two. And I'm like, wow. Like, do I have a team that can put up a 400 without supers? And the answer to that is probably no. Um, so I've decided to shift that into All-Star Pro. 
And instead of using like Dimitrevsky as my goalkeeper, I'm I'm putting uh, Joe Hyunwoo, um, who is playing against Gangwon for Ulsan. Um, so I'm kind of hoping for a potential clean sheet there. He's one of the, he puts up a lot of clean sheets. They didn't put one up today, but uh, yeah, I mean, I've I've lined up my all-star pro. These are all rares, by the way. Uh, Hyunwoo in goal. Got Giovanni Di Lorenzo, who's got 13.5% um, bonus because he's like one of those Napoli cards that never minted the new season. Um, Milinkovic Savic as a captain. At the moment, I've got Jota as my forward, and I think this is the potential risk. But I think the fact that he came off at half time, maybe they'll rest someone else. But they've got Tottenham on the weekend. Yeah, yeah. It's not an easy game, so maybe. It went, it went oh no. Yeah. So now I'm like looking at that. Do I need to switch out Jota? What I might have to look at what options I've got. And my fifth player is uh, Kulabai, who again is uh, 13.5% exactly. bonus. So. Yeah, I think maybe if I swap Jotter out. But again, it's just looking at a Division 3 entry with no supers in it when I know I've got supers in my gallery. But sometimes you just got to look at them supers and be like, yeah, but if that super puts up a 55 and Savage puts up a 90, then he's as good at, he's better if not as good as. So I think sometimes yeah, you just got to let, let some of those supers live in the training for a week where they've got a hard fixture or they're a rotation risk. And um, yeah, this week I'm just shocked at how many like starters I've got in my training as it stands. But I think sometimes you just got to go with like the team that should score the most points as opposed to like the most bonus being like spread. What about yourself? Yeah, well, see, that's the kind of problem I've got because if I do go with like, so I'm really wanting to make my all-star division basically as strong as possible. But I'm worried that... What I'm worried about is playing this Champ Euro team that I've played every week and breaking it up and putting some pieces here and putting some pieces there because their fixtures are great and then mm. they all hit and I would have won if I just did my normal thing but by breaking them up I've ended up fucking everything, you know? Yeah. That's really what I'm worried about. Um, you know, it's so tough because I look at like the striker should definitely score. It's a derby game. They're in good form, blah, blah, blah. Midfielders at home against relegation threatened team should score well, will definitely start. And it's like, those guys should be in the best team possible. And it's like, the Champ Euro team maybe is my best team possible, but like you say, it is like hard going. So yeah. it's like, do you, I don't know. I'm just I'm, really stuck between. Yeah, I'm I'm in two minds about Giacomakis. So I'm going to ask for your opinion on him as a Celtic fan. I was surprised he didn't start against uh, Rangers in the weekend. Same. So I, I, he's got to start this weekend for me, surely, against Hearts. What do you think? I don't think he does. Uh, so I've been torn on this. I actually just recorded a wee segment before we come on and do this, but it's not even been edited yet. But I think that I think the manager's going to go copy and paste from right. the Rangers game. I really do. Um, for me, I think it makes absolute sense for him to bring out, not drop, but bring out the team. Maeda, play Jack and Marcus, move Kyogo maybe a wee bit wider or swap him sides with Jota or something. I think but it makes sense because there's no reason on merit that Jackie Macus shouldn't be in the team. He got a little injury, he's now back. You know, he was scoring, yeah. he was doing great. And uh, equally on merit, I think Rio should be dropped because even though it's like he's trying to play the best team and kind of like Pep, you know, like it's plan A or nothing kind of idea. 
Yeah, he has played bad, you know. So on merit, you know, some other guys should get a chance now. Turnbull didn't deserve to get dropped. He got injured, you know. He's now back. O'Reilly, Rogic, just plenty of guys that are fit and chomping at the bit. So I think on merit, there should be at least two or three changes to the team. But talking to people in my head is telling me the manager is going to play the same team again. Maybe O'Reilly for Rogic, but that'll be it. I think. Yeah, interesting. Because I think he's in a reasonably strong side. But again, it, I think another problem we've got at this time of the season is if the teams have got nothing to play for, a lot of the players will get rested, rotated. So like that's what we're seeing with kind of like Bayern players. And I'm seeing it now at Salzburg. Um, so it's really hard to call a lot of those uh, sides at this sort of like last couple of games, last two or three games of the season. Um, and I've found it quite difficult. Or like maybe I just don't feel fully confident when I'm like delivering my teams at the end of the week now. And I'm just looking at the teams I've selected and I'm like, there's so much rotation risk in nearly every team I've got. I mean, my champ Euro is as punty as it comes. I've got like Tony Cruz, who is not in hot form right now. Um, I, I don't think he starts on the weekend. I think they'll give Camavinga a start, especially after. So they are. He's yeah. in my underdog team as captain. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wish I had a Cam- Camavinga. He's such a good player. He looked amazing when he came on as well. He's just slotted. Like, at, at his age, it's just insane. Like, what a player he is. But I've got, like, Tony Cruz. I've got Ezekiel Ponce in there. I've got Leon Bailey. I'm like, take your pick of those three, which one is not. I mean, if the three of those start, You've almost won already, but the chances of all three of them, <laughs> the chance of all three of them starting and actually putting up a kind, actually putting up a kind of sixty plus at the moment in their current form and at this stage of the season, uh, and I mean Aston Villa play away to Burnley, who have got a lot to play for. I just I'm looking at my teams and I'm like, yeah, I've got like an under twenty three team that looks good on paper. I've got a uh, my under twenty three pro. I've got. Uh, Safanov in goal they've got Arsenal away so you know a good chance of a clean sheet hopefully if they turn up um, he had a good result in the week uh, Igor Deviv super rare um, they've got Sochi at home who Sochi have had some good results lately so yeah, he'll have a busy game yeah, I think yeah Kenneth Taylor who's found his way into the Ajax starting team the last couple of games so I've been using his super rare the last couple of weeks and I'm going to continue again Fancy him to start again. Um, got an assist last week. So they're playing AZ, Alkmaar. And then I've got Valentin Castellanos up front. You know, New, New Yorker on a great run of form of late and expect him yeah. to get among the goals. He didn't get uh, decisive in the last game, if I remember rightly. Um, and my captain, um, Fikayo Tomori. You know, big every game's a cup final for Milan right now. So they're away. And expect him to have a busy game. And, you know, he's just solid, isn't he? When he's got a busy game and they've got something to play for, I fancy him. So I think that under-23 pro team looks quite strong. Um, got a decent lineup in the super rare as well, actually. Under-23, he's got Kook, um, Lee Hambom, unique. Uh, Veerman, super. Uh, Kook is a super as well, by the way. Jesus Ferreira, super. And Ferdi Droif, super. I think that's a strong... Strong five. So I'm hoping if they all start, then we could be amongst it. Hopefully, Ve- I think Veerman's the one kind of like rotation risk there. But he's, you know, he's playing well. PSV got, what, two or three games left? 
Um, they they rested yeah. Sang- Sangare the last couple of games and started Veerman, which was surprising because Sangare was the one player that didn't really get dropped that often for PSV. Um, but there's talk of like Goetze being off at the end of the season. So I think um, PSV have their last home game of the season next Wednesday. So maybe Veerman starts this weekend and then in the midweek they give Goetze a start and that might be his last sort of home game for PSV. Same with Gutierrez. I'm seeing... Uh, some rumours that he might be off in the end of the season as well. So we all, we're all expecting Sangare to leave too. So maybe Veerman does start this game and those players are more likely to start their last home game of the season for fans to kind of give them a, give them a wave on their way off. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I think that's it. I think my Asia D2s another sort of fairly strong. But but yeah, my rare my rare entries, I'm not feeling too hot on any of them at the moment. What what's where's your like main focus this weekend? Uh well my main team's always all star rare pro and kinda of build back from there. But with like the kind of strength that I've kind of been picking up recently and some of these new leagues that are coming out, like it's I, I'm really trying to take it on a week by week basis of what I think is my best chance of winning. And that is so intangible sometimes. That's really the kind of I guess the mm. seed of a lot of my my headaches this game weeks because like I don't know I've got a lot of you know what what I've tried to focus on this game week is probably the only thing I could really give you that's anywhere useful to anyone listening to this but I've on these game weeks in particular I really try and focus on people that didn't play during the week yeah as much as I possibly can like if I cannot play and I've got a fair amount of cards in some of these teams but if I cannot play like uh, Leipzig guys if I can not play Frankfurt guys if I can not play like some of the Korean guys played midweek if I can maybe yeah. avoid some of them that maybe the kickoff times aren't great you know from when they last played to the next game kind of idea um, there was one or two others as well sorry I think there was some cup games in that around Europe at the, during the midweek but um, I always try and avoid them and that's yeah so I'm not really sure mate to be honest with you I think I'm going to go with just like my Celtic kind of team into yep. All-Star and I've got Sebastian Legette next to it um, so it's basically like a Celtic kind of spine mm. Sebastian Legette and in the Champ Euro team I think I'm I, I, I think I'm going to be too nervous around not playing that Champ Euro team like I always do they all hit and then I look at it and go oh I could have finished first in that division and yeah. I didn't I, bro- <laughs> I broke the team up and I finished 40th in that division and then I finished 82nd in that division but if I kept those guys together I would have Finally, law of averages would have paid in for me. Yeah, so I'm kind of nervous against that as well. It's a funny one for me. I'm between a rock and a hard place. I feel you on that. Are you? Uh, are you looking I'll at the underdog? For that. Are you, are you yeah, in the so underdog? The, I've got underdog rare, but I've got a probable DNP goalkeeper. My Axel Werner goalkeeper, who is like always an underdog qualifier, has now been dropped because of his poor form. Mm. So it's either him or nobody anyway. I don't have anyone else that would qualify that I would put into this. So probable DNP keeper. And then I'm going with an Andrew Gutman, who's at home to Chicago Fire. Very capable yep. fullback. He's actually one of the best fullbacks I've ever owned for not getting too many possession losses. Like he's actually really clean in possession, like on statistics as well as on the eye. You know, doesn't actually give the ball away too frivolously. Yep. And he can get assists and whatever. So anyway, he's playing at home at Fire. I've got Captain Kamavinga, and then I've went up front with Andre Silva of Leipzig and Dejan Jovalich of LA Galaxy, who are away to Austin. And Austin are, you know, so the two strikers, you know, Andre Silva might play tonight. Kamavinga did play last night. 
uh, and Jovalich, like should start, might not start, and he's away to second in the league. So these are all guys that like they're still good players and they could all score pretty well. But like if I put them in a better team, I would be shitting it. Yeah. I feel you on that. It's good that you mentioned Gutman actually because I he was one of my pickups this week. I actually bought um, one of his limiteds for the exact use use case of underdog. Uh, I spent this week having a little look at some of like the best available players that like good prices, and uh, he was one of my pickups. So I'm glad to hear you say that because that kind of val- validates the pick for me as well. But, um, yeah, if you if you drill into his AA on any good scores, you'll see like possession losses like eight or six or something like that. Doesn't he get those mad twenty fives? <laughs> yeah, that's you what know, you want from a fullback. I stuck a yeah. underdog rare team in as well, actually. But similarly to you, I've got a really surprising problem was uh, Kose Tani uh, being dropped uh, at, for the last Same. game. That really surprised me. So he's. I didn't want to risk him um, in any of my main lineups this week and I've put him in the underdog um, and I've got uh, Leonardo Bonucci in there who, after bagging two goals in the last game, my captain. Uh, Damian Rivera, uh, New England. He made his first start and scored his first goal. He's a youngster, 18 years old, I think he is, or 19. Uh, Brenner, who's he's just he's due a goal any minute, isn't he? He's got to start scoring at some point. Big team. And uh, then my reward from a couple of game weeks back, Yusuf Demir. Um, you know, not expecting massive things from him, but maybe towards the end of the season, he's going to get last couple of games, maybe. Hopefully starts. Um, so that's my my rare. Um, I picked up two cards for my underdog limited um, division, two cheap um, cards this week. So we've already mentioned Gutman. Another tip for me was uh, Augustin Cardozo of Gymnasia. Uh, cool. yeah, he's put up two seventy-plus scores in his last two games, and uh, he does fall underneath the forty-five average. And I think I picked him up really cheap. Let me just have a little look. Um, what I picked him up for. So I managed to pick him up for nine pound seventy-seven. That's zero point zero zero four three Ethereum. And uh, yeah, his last two games, seventy-six and a sixty-three, not oh two over seventies. But you know, like his his last five average is fifty four, so um, his last L fifteen is forty. He fits in there nicely, so he he's like my main sort of tip for this week. I'm quite excited to to pick up anyone for ten quid or under that might do the business in the underdog. But uh, should should we go through some of my 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 picks for the underdog this week? Because yeah. we we didn't get a reward last week, so let's shoot. I think we shoot again. Uh, so one of the Cheap, cheap goalkeepers I was looking at. Um, there's uh, Pezhekov, who plays for Rostov, who are not an awful side. Uh, 0.0267 at, at the time I checked him out. So I've got him in goal. I've got Gutman uh, in defence at 0.0046. That's £10.33. Um, and then I was going to go for um, so, uh, Cardozo, uh, Gymnasia, who I just mentioned, 0. Uh, 0.043 I paid for him um, I've had a couple of good options in midfield as well there's a player called Azevedo um, who plays in America FC in Brazil you can pick him up for 0.003 or I'm also looking at the Charleroi captain um, Ilamarehita but he hey, might be out, he might be out injured he didn't play the last game but there are reports online that it wasn't serious and 
you know, he's back in training, so maybe he starts. So he's a bit risky, but um, I do think that, that for less risk, we're going to go Cardozo and Azevedo in midfield. And then up front, I've gone for Zagreb's um, Emreli. Uh, nice. 0.0083, so a little bit pricier, but, you know, he's he's due a goal, um, gets a few goals. So, and I think that, that that team is, or was at least when I was doing my calculations, comes in at under 100 quid. So there is an entry this week. But mo- I guess most people maybe already have, have a goalkeeper. But, you know, all those outfielders are players you can pick up for less than 0.01. So yep. if you've picked up any any decent little threshold wins lately, go treat yourself. See I how you get my, on. Um, my two underdog cards, or my underdog card again I'm using this game week, is uh, Jesus Navas. It feels like he's yep. an underdog every every game week and he's like I know he's like a pensioner but he's still <laughs> like plays and he's still like he's not too bad you know like the scores are pretty decent um so I, I i like you i'm a big double midfield guy not a lot mm. of people like the double forward but if you're a bit more of a double defender gutman and navas could be that's you know, a good pairing a yeah pa- could be a pairing of doom you know um <laughs> <laughs> pairing of doom hopefully hopefully of joy by the end of the game week for you quinny is, yeah, uh, well, yeah, hopefully Joy for sure on Navas and Gutman. Yeah. I've got both of them. Hey. <laughs> I'm just going to have a little look at the team I have in it because I, I did manage to get use out of a couple of my players. So I only had to bring in a couple. I bought um, Cardozo and, and Gutman in. But I've also got um, Van Zier and Gabriel Florentin in again. Uh, Florentin actually picked up an assist or a goal. Um, he got a decisive this week. But he still falls right. in under 45. Van Zier didn't pick up a goal last week, which I was expecting him to. They got Bruges this week, so a bit of a tougher game, but a, a big game definitely for them. And Joe Willis in goal um, picked up a good score last week, so I'm surprised he he managed to qualify again. But uh, but yeah, that's my team: Joe Willis, Gutman, Cardozo, who I'm captain in, Dante Van Zier, and Gabriel Florentin. So hoping to be among the rewards there, um, and good luck to all. Playing, playing yeah. the underdog this weekend. That's it, totally. Good luck to everyone out there. I was just looking at the prize pool for it. So for underdog rare, we're getting 35 cards. Star rares are for the top six, and then it's tier ones for the rest. I always double-check that. Uh, yeah, tier ones for the rest after that. And then for underdog limited, we're getting 900 cards. Currently, at the moment, there's 7,000 entrants. So it's like a... What's that, like 15% headcount or something like that? Maybe something 15% like or something. Top twenty get a star limited, which could be an Mbappe or a Haaland or anything like that. Uh, you're then getting from twenty first to one hundred and fifteen, which is like ninety places tier ones. Then get about two hundred and twenty tier twos, and then it's a tier three party. Is a HG? It's so weird. Data says from three hundred and thirty six <laughs> all the way back to nine hundred. So a big tier three party and underdog limited. Uh, but you know, we want big price pools that we can be dipping into. The specialist limited also has nine hundred cards payout with seven hundred seven thousand entrants. But the top of that, top five, gets star rares, and this is with limited cards. And mm. the rest of the top twenty five get tier one rares. The rest of the top eighty get tier two rares, and then it drops off to tier two limiteds from eighty first to three hundred and eighty, and it's a tier three party from 381 to 900. So very competitive divisions and you only need one of these outlier scores to pay off for you that not, you know, the masses have 
adopted or went and picked up already, already have in their gallery. I'm just so having yeah, a good look at everyone. Some of the cards in that tier one pool in the specialist uh, limited to see what the rare cards are in that tier one. And and there's some blinding players in there. You know, I've got Stanley and Soki in there, Stola Dimitrevsky, Adam Buxa at the top of the pile. So Johnny Russell. Yeah, that, uh, there's some there's some great players in there. So I mean, it's hard hard to look past those competitions before you start entering your limited sides, isn't it? Pau Torres. Yeah. He's in that Let's tier one pool. He's the, epic. Rui he's Diaz. It's a very good pool, you're right. It's always the first limited team I pick because, like, yeah, I just think that's, you know, I, I want to win as much at all times. And, like, limited competitions, I've never really taken them too seriously until the specialist and underdog came in. And, like, the specialist for me is, like, the first team I pick um, mm. for it because, you know, if I'm going to win one division out with, the limit, with those wee gold cards, I want it to be that. And it makes it yeah. fun and it makes it really engaging because it isn't just like who's got the best fixtures, just roll out your best five. Like we get an All-Star Limited, like we get in Champ Euro Limited, Challenger Limited. It's just, you know, or Salzburg are playing bottom of the league, roll out them or, you know, Bayern or Ajax insert team, you know. Yep. Um, no, I like that it. element in the specialist where you need two underdog players, you know, it really does throw the cat amongst the pigeons for who can win. Exactly. And another thing I think for me when, when, when I go in – the first thing I look at is like, what players do I have available that have got that the L the L five L fifteen under forty, and if I've got a couple of players that look, you know, that are players that will start, and you know, hope maybe maybe a forward, um, you know, on the off chance that they might get a decisive or something like that. So if I've got like a couple of decent players that fit that that um, forty or under, then I'll I'll go pretty pretty big in the specialist. Um, but yeah, I think the underdog for me is. I've normally got a half decent selection of cards I can fit in the under forty five. So long as I've got a goalkeeper, I'm I'm quite happy to you know pick up a couple of cheap cards uh, in the week to to field a good team in that. And the last couple of weeks I've been quite successful in it, so I'm just going to keep it moving. I think to keep rolling out what I can in that division. But like I was saying earlier, I just think there's there's something nice about doing well in in that division, like because it does yeah. require you to like have a look at the fixtures. Have a look at you know like the record against the teams they're playing. Try and figure out who's likely to play. If you can get really clever and pick up a player who you know is going to be rotated into a side, and you can pick him up for like peanuts, that is that always hits nice. You know, in those those game yeah. weeks where it's like ACL or something like that, and you've got like a youngster who doesn't ever play in the league, but you know is going to play against like a team in the ACL, and you can use a player that costs yeah. you like next to nothing in those divisions. And sometimes they come up trumps, you know, if they hit a 10 nil or something in the ACL and that player scores a hat-trick and is ne- never to be seen again for the rest of the season. <laughs> but they're, they're beautiful moments on the platform and they're long, shall they, yeah. long shall they remain a part of the game. Of course. We all love to bask in the glory, let's say, as guilty of that as anyone. But yeah, it should be a really good game week. And again, the surprise pools that really give me the headaches because I think, you know... Yeah, the, the price pools, especially when you throw that mixed category into it, there's a lot of good appeal. And again, because it is diverse in the field, then selecting what one you want to try and push, but you think other people might not be pushing as hard, or you're going to play a card here, or no one's going to play X card in under 23s. They'll all be playing it in champ, or they'll all be doing this, or they'll all be doing that. Going against the grain, those options, I feel this week. But again, I don't know if it's because I'm just putting extra pressure on myself, because 
the European season only has a couple of games left and I feel like I want to finish the European season with as much of a bang as possible. Yeah. Um, I feel that may be coming into a little bit as well for me personally. Yeah, mate. I think uh, it's going to be an interesting one, definitely. I think the rotation's going to going to mess my teams up massively this weekend. But fingers crossed we come back yeah. here again next weekend and we're all laughing at the uh, tier one that I won with, uh, with, with my team full of DMPs. <laughs> and the last thing I'll say, actually, on that kind of note, when we do come back next week, Tony Watt will have made his debut for FC Barcelona. Uh, Tony, I won a Tony Watt limited card last week, as you guys might know. And he is now in my all-star limited team, is it? Where is he? Where are you, Tony? Yeah, he's in my all-star limited team. He's my captain. So he's playing Rangers. It's only right and fitting that I do that. And the rest of the team is David Soraya and goals, Ashraf Hakimi, Leon Goretzka, and Edin Dzeko. Tony Watt's never been in such a great team. He's going to do fantastic. <laughs> and um, this is a five-a-side for the ages with Tony Watt up front next to big Dzeko. Goretzka yes. creating and destroying a midfield and then Hakimi basically being messy from right back. So this is the five-a-side team that's going, to, that's going to run the show this week. I think if... Uh... I think if Tony gets a decisive this week, we should start the podcast next week with a shot or something. Like a drinking game. No, I don't <laughs> Any <think> week. I'm... <laughs> no. I'm, no. Not getting him ke- I'm not getting him dropped for the weekend. He can have a oh, shot of Ribena or something like that. But, uh... <laughs> but Stish oh, yeah. and everyone else listening, have a, a great game week. Great luck and um, good luck. Yeah. And I'll catch you next time. Best of luck. <laughs>